disaster or, or anything around the globe, ACCI is the agency that we uh, uh, it springs into action and, and gets relief around the world uh, when it's needed. So he's the man here today and his wife Francine. So um, it is a, a great, great honour. They're great people. Had some time with them over the last few days and uh, it's just amazing how, how uh, friendly they are and how nice they are. So it is uh, so good to welcome. Let's, uh, let's stand to our feet one more time. Give him a great welcome as John comes. Good on you, Rob. Thanks. Have a seat. Fantastic. It's great to be with you here this morning. We, uh, uh, we've had a great time with, with your pastors over the last couple of days too. We're surprised, you know, how friendly they are. So there you go. And uh, I was just amazed at Rob wished all this stuff came down last week for his birthday. I didn't realize, but anyway, I mean, maybe, you know what they're getting for Christmas now. I reckon if I was seven or eight, I'd been flat out of leaving, leaving this here this morning. I probably would have taken it with me. But anyway, there you go. What a great thing. What a great job. You guys take a seat. Done a great job this morning. Let's give them a great hand. Well done. Fantastic. And uh, I have actually been to Port Lincoln once before, very, very quickly. Uh, I did a youth camp here. I don't know. It was probably about 85 years ago. And uh, seems like that. Uh, back when Pastor uh, Gary Watts was the pastor, uh, he was actually the pastor in Ipswich. He was our pastor before he came here. Uh, so he graduated from Ipswich to Port Lincoln. That's how that happened. But that was many, many moons ago now. Some of you probably don't even know that. But there you go. And... Uh, uh, huh? You were here. There you go. There you go. And you're still here. Well, I tell you what, you can you can get a leave pass on my message this morning. You go and um, do something at the back or something. That's fantastic. Because <laughs> I don't know how many of you realize that um, modern um, modern culture has become the least able to produce patience of any culture, uh, I think, in human history. And you might say, well, big deal. Uh, I'll I, I tell you why that is, I think, that if company A can provide you a product by next Friday, but company B can get you that product by Wednesday, company A is out of business by Friday the next week, right? Because we want it and we want it now. That's right. Um, you know, could you imagine a world, imagine, imagine even in the legal world, right? Imagine somebody asked you to do something that you thought was wrong and unfair. What would you do? Well, back in ancient, ancient days, uh, there was a guy by the name of Joseph who was put in prison, wrongfully accused and unfairly locked up for years. And what did he do? You see, he had a thing in his life called patience. And because he had this thing called patience, he waited many, many years until God had perfected a work within him that afforded him the ability to become arguably the most powerful man on the planet. Because God, over many years, had developed patience within him. You know, this may come as a surprise to some of you young folk, but once upon a time, uh, if you didn't like something, right, if, if a company, you know, did the wrong thing by you or something, you, you'd get this thing known as a typewriter. Anyone remember those? You get paper, you put it in, you know, wind it in, type out your letter of, of, of uh, discontent to Telstra or Qantas or whoever, you know. We weren't happy about this. Then you'd get the letter out and you'd read it through and you'd have to correct the spelling and fix the grammar. Then you'd have to type it again from the start for crying out loud. I mean, can you believe this? 
You couldn't just, you know, delete or, or change. Then you'd have to retype it out. Then, you, uh, then you'd have to put it into a thing called an, an envelope. You had to buy a thing called a stamp. And then you had to find a thing called a postbox. Who could do all that? <laughs> right now, of course, if Qantas like you or Telstra upset you, you just take the Twitter. <laughs> give it to them straight in the face, right, within two seconds. <laughs> I, I'm looking for the day when I can decide what I want on the way home push a few buttons on my phone and have a drone deliver it to my front door before I get there, right? <laughs> I, I, I can tell you this, though. I know something about you. I've never met you before, most probably, but I do know something about you. I'll I tell you what I know that you want. I know that you want relationships that last. I know that you want a deep, abiding love with another human being that lasts more than just a few weeks. I know that about you. I know that you want your life to add up to something. I know that you don't want to get to the end of life, look back and go, oh man, what was that about? I, I know that you want to achieve something of substance with your life. I know that you want to have the fortitude. I know that you want to have the uh, internal power to get through life's challenges. And this I, I know about the majority of you, but I don't know everybody. Uh, most of you in this room, I imagine, want a relationship with God that grows deeper and stronger as the years go by. And I want to suggest to you, Without the virtue of patience, none of those would happen. As a matter of fact, Hebrews says this. Hebrews says, by faith and patience, right? By faith and patience. We sing about, about faith a lot. I don't know a lot of songs about patience. <laughs> but we hear a lot about faith. Faith and patience, they inherited the promises of God. This is a serious issue I'm talking about with you this morning because how many in this room know more and more people are suffering from mental illness than have ever done so before in the, the human race? And I want to suggest to you that there's less resilience, uh, that we go from, you know, everything's fine to total emotional and mental breakdown like that. And I want to suggest to you the reason why. The reason why is the middle ground, right? The ground between my life is okay and absolute despair, that middle ground is called patience. But we're watching it evaporate before our very eyes. That ground, right, between discontent and divorce is called patience. That ground between um, uh, being cut off on the road and, and uh, letting somebody know what I think about it uh, having some kind of abuse is called patience. But the middle ground between everything is going well and my life is falling apart is called patience, but patience is disappearing. We have a crisis of patience in our society today because society is structured to do that. This, I'm, I'm so glad you're here because what I want to talk to you about this morning is actually very serious. Our culture is structured to destroy patience, yet nothing of substance is ever built or established or achieved without it. So this is the crisis that we are facing, and it is a substantial crisis. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at the life of James, because I reckon James would have known a lot about patience, because James grew up in a house with Jesus. Could you imagine that? Could you imagine 
people come over and mum and dad introduces the kids, you know, uh, this is Jesus and this is James and this is the others and everyone's looking at Jesus, right? I mean, how would you love to have your brother as the son of God? That would be trying at times. Some of you think, well, my brother thinks he's the son of God. Uh, fair enough. But, but for James, his brother actually was the son of God. Could you imagine how frustrating that would be if you play hide and go seek with your brother? You know, I mean, you get the best hiding, but he'll never find me. Oh, he's found me again. Imagine growing up in a household and God is your brother for crying out loud. In fact, one of the great proofs, I believe, that, that, that shows us that Jesus Christ was the actual son of God was that his brother in the end believed it, right? Because your brother might think it, but you don't believe it. <laughs> So I, I want to look at his life because he's going to teach us a lot this morning about patience. Because if there was anybody who knew about it, I reckon it was this guy. So we're going to take a reading from James chapter 5 and verse 7 where he says this. Be, there's our word, patient then, brothers and sisters, until the coming of the Lord. So right out front there, he makes something very clear that I hope you didn't miss. He said, there is no patience without hope. Did you see that? Be patient until the coming of the Lord. So if you want to have patience, you better make sure you've got hope. He goes on and says, See how the farmer waits for the land to yield its valuable crop, waiting patiently for the autumn and spring rains. You too, be patient and stand firm. And he makes the statement again because the Lord's coming is near. And I want to put to you that what he's saying here is that if you want to achieve something, and if you want to grow a crop that's going to feed, you know, the community, uh, if you want to do anything that's going to affect positively the lives of the people in your world, you require patience. That's what he's telling us. You don't get a crop by one click of your smartphone. You've got to fertilize, you've got to water, you've got to wait. You've got to do the work and you've got to be patient, number one. Number two, he says this, um, don't grumble against one another, brothers, brothers and sisters, or you'll be judged. What's he saying there? He's saying you've got to be patient with people. If you want to have a relationship with somebody, right? Uh, I mean, how many know today there's a whole bunch of people fall in love like that, you know, and then pretty soon they fall out of love. People fall in and out of love, in and out of love. There's no patience. When Paul describes patience in 1 Corinthians 13, many of you know that, Right? I mean, yesterday there would have been, you know, weddings around the nation. I guarantee you 1 Corinthians 13, the great love chapter, would have been read all over the place, right? The first word Paul uses to describe love is what? Love is, there you go, you know. Love is patient. So if you're going to live with someone, you're going to call them out every time they do something that annoys you. Or you're going to point to someone every time they disagree with you and want to fight with them. I mean, could you imagine a world where people don't agree and people have different opinions or different ideas and they don't, they don't see eye to eye? What kind of world would that be? That would be the one we live in, right? <laughs> and so that's why you've got to be patient with each other. Or churches will fall apart. Families will fall apart. Marriages will be destroyed. If you don't have patience, but we're watching patience evaporate before our very eyes. Is it any wonder that in Queensland, I don't know the statute in South Australia, in Queensland, 30 marriages a day falling apart. 
Now, look, I'm not casting aspersions. Look, you know, if you're here today and your marriage has fallen apart, I don't know why. But, 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 but I do know this. I do know that if we could establish the middle ground of patience, relationships would last longer. But society is shrinking with us, shrinking with us. And there is hell to pay because of this. You know, I, I, you, just can't, you just can't get a, an app on your phone, right? And put in your height, your weight, and your likes and push your button and expect Prince Charming to turn up, right? That doesn't happen. That, that's a fallacy. That's a lie. You know, perfect match, perfect rubbish. No such thing, ladies and gentlemen. No such thing. I heard of a middle-aged guy, and, and he had got one of these apps. He was looking for the right person, and these Middle Eastern men kept turning up. And, and he was finally told, no, that's Uber. That's not a, that's not a, a matchmaking one. <laughs> Just made a little mistake. That was all. He goes on and says this. He says, the judge is standing at the door, brothers and sisters, as an example of patience in the face of suffering. Let's take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. As you know, we count as blessed those who have persevered. Have you heard of Job's perseverance? Well, look at him in just a sec. Because James holds Job up as the exemplar, right? James says Job's the one to look to. So we're going to look at him in a minute. But, but, uh, and you've seen what the Lord finally brought about. So what he's talking here is about patience and suffering, right? And, and the truth of the matter is, in this life, suffering will eventually knock on your door. Um, uh, we've just in the last couple of days been with, with my, um, my uh, brother's uh, wife. My brother died of a heart attack three days before Christmas last year. Gone like that. Just a few years older than I am. And just came out of the blue. Gone. Yeah. But this happens, folks. Real grief happens in life. And if you don't develop patience, grief will eat you alive. Patience is a desert. I should say grief is a desert you cross one step at a time. And if you don't have patience, you won't get to the other side. So, so if you want to have what it takes, the intestinal fortitude to face the reality of this world, right? The grief, I'm just not talking about someone who doesn't agree with you or you get a slide. I'm talking about real grief. I'm talking about genuine loss, right? You won't get through life without genuine loss. If you do not develop patience, genuine loss could destroy you. That's what Job is saying here. He goes on and throws this one line out there. And you go, wow, what does that mean? And it underscores everything he's just said. He says this, for the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. <laughs> he's just telling us, you know, you've got to be patient to achieve things. You've got to be patient with one another. You've got to have patience if you're going to get through grief. And then he throws this line in, and the Lord is full of compassion and mercy. What does he say? I want to say this to you this morning. You've got to hear this. The impatience of all impatience, underscoring all impatience is what he's just referred to. And it's this, patience with God. Patience with God. If you can't develop patience with God, you'll inevitably be impatient with your husband, your wife, your, your workplace, your situation, and yourself. So many people are impatient with God. When we think God is watching from a distance, you know, 
because he's not doing what he should be doing, when he should be doing it. I know what should be happening. And where is God right now? Why is God letting this happen, right? We're in South Australia and, 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 and Queensland shut the borders. Why? Why right now? Why not next week, right? <laughs> I mean, what does God think he's doing? There you go. <laughs> you never know. You never know. But you've got to develop patience with God. Or you'll get an ulcer. I think they're the two options, okay? <laughs> you, you'll live a life full of anxiety and worry and fear. Or you get patient with God. They're your two options. What do you want? Patience with God or fear Look, if there's anything this season has taught us, right? If there's anything that we've needed now more than ever, it's patience. I mean, we've been leading our church there in Ipswich for 28 years or thereabouts. Been on team there for 35 years. Um, youth pastors before we took the church on. And, uh, and we decided, you know, we had everything planned last year in, in, uh, in January, February to leave. And we're going to announce it to the church, you know, May, June, something like that, and it'll be gone not too long after that. And in March, <laughs> hello, they decided, eh, no more church, shutting, the, shutting uh, you know, uh, gatherings down, and, uh, and we had to go online like you guys did. Well, we were not resigning online after 35 years, right? <laughs> Saying, well, church, been nice knowing you. See you later after 35 years. That isn't going to wash, right? We weren't going to do that. And so we had to take all our plans and we had, to, we had to put them on hold. We had to be patient. She's quite good at helping me this morning, Deborah Pat. She's very good. Patient. Um, our daughter, right, our daughter was supposed to come over. This is 2020. Our daughter, who lives in the UK, we haven't seen her for two or three years, right, um, and was supposed to come over in, in July 2020 to get married. She, you know, got engaged. We, we spoke to her fiancé on the, you know, on the, the thing. <laughs> and uh, Zoom or whatever, Skype, whatever, uh, FaceTime. Anyway, uh, we've, so we've met him online, but we've never physically, you know, seen him. We've never physically touched him. And, and he wants to take our daughter in marriage. So we say, come over, we'll meet you, we'll get married in, in July. Well, <laughs> what happened to those plans, right? <laughs> Gone. Not happening. Funnily enough, as I speak, they're on an aeroplane. They've just left Dubai. They're landing tonight. <laughs> and, as, and as God would have it, because we've exercised patience, they're landing in Melbourne. And it just so happens that Melbourne is open to South Australia. So we probably won't be here next week. Sorry, sister. But uh, <laughs> so there you go, right? <laughs> so things work out, right? Uh, we didn't know where she's landing. She's landing in Melbourne, right? And she lands in Melbourne at midnight. We'll be there anyway. So there you go. So we'll meet him uh, on Tuesday, Wednesday this week for the first time in our life. And we'll see our daughter for the first time in nearly three years. Just a few days away. She's in a plane as we speak. But we've got to be patient till Wednesday, right? We've got to be patient, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then we're going to have a wedding, right? They're, look, they got married. They got married in the middle of COVID. And, and the, you know, the wedding photos, we're there on the screen. <laughs> and the, 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 the happy couple are either side of the television screen where we're sort of standing with the rest of our children. Um, but what do you do? Like, what do you do? Do you get angry? Do you get upset? Do you rail against the authorities? Or do you just say, you know something? I don't know what's going on. I can't get my head around this. But somehow God can. Somehow I've got to trust God and be patient with God. 
what other choice do I have except go mad? Right? Look, um, James points to Job. Okay, I've got, got 10 minutes, right? Okay, so James points to Job. And in between James and Job, we see how to develop patience. Now, you're going to want to jot this down because you need to develop patience. And some of you, you know, you say, give me patience now. Some of you, you know, you want to sock them. What's, what stands between you and socking your husband in the face? Well, patience. <laughs> right? What stands between you and strangling your children? It's called patience. Right? So you need to develop patience. Okay, and, and James points to Job. So I'm going to give you three practices. This is going to be very practical. You're going to be so glad you came here this morning because you will leave here knowing what to do to develop patience because God knows we need it and God knows our society needs it like never before. If we don't, if we do not do this, if we don't develop this, we will not inherit the promises of God, we'll not develop relationships that matter, we will not be able to do things that achieve to transcend a generation. So, so I'm so glad you're here because I'm about to show you how to develop the art or the quality or the virtue of patience. I'm going to give you three things and I'm going to look at Job and, and I'm, I'm going to give you one scripture in and tie the whole thing together, right? You want to write the scripture down because you probably have never seen it before. It's hidden away in Job. But when you see it, you'll go, oh, that all the pennies will drop and you'll get it in one, one, one moment. Um, number one, right? Number one, process disappointment in prayer. Um, patience is not stoicism. It's not stiff upper lip. It's not everything's fine. I'm good. Just trusting in the Lord. But I'm dying on the inside. Now, the thing you see about Job, right, is that Job let God have it both barrels, didn't he? But here's the thing. He never stopped praying. He processed his life, his disappointment, his anger, his upset. He processed it in God. He processed it in prayer. So what I'll say to you is this, whatever it is that's annoying you, whatever it is that's, that's getting on your goat, as my father used to say, uh, what, what, whatever it is that's, that's driving you crazy, what I'd ask you to do is to tell it to God and give it to God, good, bad, and ugly. Don't hold back. If you're angry with God, let him know it. Hey, God, I'm angry with you. Job did. The key is not holding back from God, but the key is not disconnecting yourself from God. You understand that? There's a difference. Right? M most of us give God the cold shoulder. Right? Well, that's it. I don't feel like praying. I don't feel like reading my Bible. I don't feel like going to church. And I don't really care how you feel because you can't always control your feelings, but you can always control what you do. So when you don't feel like coming to church, you come because it doesn't matter how you feel. How many of those sometimes you don't feel like a Christian? Anyone else? You know, but you're still a Christian. <laughs> because your Christianity is not about how you feel. It's about what he's done. Sometimes you don't necessarily feel like you're married. But your marriage is not based on how you feel towards your spouse today. Your marriage is based upon what you did. You walked down an aisle and you gave rings and that's it. It's what you do. It's not how you feel can't always control how you feel. You might not feel like, but I feel like praying today. I'm sure Job didn't feel like it, but he did it. And that's the key, right? 
Don't cut yourself off from God because of disappointment, disillusionment, anger, whatever. Articulate it. Enumerate it. Write it down and then say, well, God, here we are. We're having it out. I'm not happy. (laughs) And let God have it. That's what Job did. And um, James points to Job and says, have patience like Job. So, so James, Jesus' brother, says, this is the guy. This is, this is the model. And that's what we see him doing. You see, um, I, I don't know everybody who's in the room, and I don't know there's people online, and maybe you're not even a Christian. Do you know this still works? I, I read a book. Uh, the author, his name's Andrew Clavin, and this is his memoir. And he's a secular Jew who found faith in Christ. And he says that he found faith in Christ through prayer. He would leave at home and, and, and drive to work uh, in this in this big city. There was traffic jams. He used to enjoy the traffic jams because it gave him longer to pray. And he said he found that as he prayed and let God have, you know, all about his day and all about how he's feeling and everything about his life, his day went better. He wasn't even a Christian. But in the end, he thought, well, I better, I better get to know this God because this is changing my life. So, so I don't know, if, even if you're not a Christian, this works. This is still something to try. Take it, put it down, and give it to God in prayer, number one. Number two, commit an act of humility. Commit an act of humility. James in chapter 4 says this. Say, don't say you're going to do this or that, do that tomorrow. Say if the Lord wills. So if the Lord wills, we'll do this. If the Lord wills. What is he saying there? He's saying recognize that you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Right? You can't tell whether the borders will be open or the borders will be shut. Right? You don't know what's going, what, what, whether Omnicrom's going to come or whether Delta's going to go or whatever's going to You don't know. Nobody knows. See, one of the things, one of the fallacies that most of us have bought into is that we can control our lives. <laughs> We're starting to realize, well, that was wrong. <laughs> you can't control. See, and, and, and where this lands you is here, and it's actually quite quite positive. It's quite powerful. It lands you at a place where you can go, well, I'm not God. Powerful thought, brother. Powerful thought. I don't control the universe. Jeez, I'd like to think that I did, but I don't. This is an act of humility. Say, well, if the Lord wills. I'm going to plan to do this, and I'm you know hoping to do that, and I'm praying about that. If the Lord wills, because I'm not God, I can't control tomorrow. I can't control those people over there or them's people over there, right? So I've got to acknowledge the fact, I'm going to commit an act of humility here, and I'm going to say, I'm not God, but He is. I'm going to process my disappointment in prayer, and then I'm going to acknowledge the fact that I don't control tomorrow. I don't understand really today, to be honest with you. I'd like to think I did, but I don't really. I don't really understand what's going on really because I'm not God. And if you can arrive at that, if you can commit that act of humility that acknowledges your lack of sovereignty, (laughs) then you are on the way to developing patience. You develop patience by, number one, letting God have all your Number two, committing an act of humility. And number three, let me read to you here from James, then we'll get to Job. James says this um, in uh, the first chapter of his book. 
He says, brethren, count it all joy when you fall into all kinds of various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience. And then he says this about patience. He says, let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and lacking nothing. Wow. Wow. If you're a Christian here today and I said, you know, who want to be more like Jesus? Yeah, we want to be more like Jesus. <laughs> well, that's the answer right there. You become more like Jesus by developing patience, by embracing the trials of your life and saying, okay, this is a trial. Thank the Lord for this because what this is going to do, this is going to make me more like Jesus. When trouble hits, it's time to develop patience. You, you say, this can drive me into the love of God. This can make me wiser, deeper, and more able to help others. How many in this room know that the height of a building is determined by the depth of its foundation? And right when trouble comes, the depth of your foundation is going deeper. So the height of your effectiveness can go further. You understand that? So what you do, if you're in a trial, if you're in a tribulation, if you're in a, a moment of strife, rather than whinge and complain and whatever, embrace it and say, you know something, this is going to change me. I'm going to come out on the other side of this stronger, wiser, more able, more anointed, more capable than I've ever been in my life. And the end result of that is I'm going to be able to help more people than I've ever been able to help before. The future is bright for a whole lot of people because I'm going to embrace this challenge and I'm going to let it do its work in my life and let it refine me so that I become greater, more perfect, more complete and lack less in Jesus' name. Let, 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 me, let me give you this one verse and then um, we, we'll head to an end. Job 23, you want to write this down, Job 23, 9 and 10. Write, write that down, please, Job 23, 9 and 10. Because your whole sermon's right there. I'll read it for you. Job 23, 9 and 10. You'll want to underline this in your Bible, right? You, 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 you want to memorize this. Job 23, 9 and 10. It says this. I do not see him to the north, for he is hidden. I look to the south, but he is concealed. What's he doing? He can't find God, but he's not stopping looking for him. He can't see God in his current circumstances, but he's not turning his back on God, right? In the middle of the situation, in the middle of the, uh, the tumult and the turmoil, he's not saying, well, God's left me. No, he's pursuing after God. He doesn't collapse in on himself. He's moving after God. What, what, what does he say next? But he knows where I am going. What's he just said? I'm not God, but he is. What he just said is, is acknowledged. That's an act of humility. That's point two. That's, he says, I'm not God, but he's God. I don't know where I'm going. I don't know what's happening tomorrow. I, I don't know what circumstance will befall me in, in the future. But I know this. He does. He's God and I am not. But listen, listen to what he says next. He says, and when he tests me, I will come out as pure as gold. He's voting for his growth. He says, I'm going to be bigger, bigger, greater, better, stronger. And he was able, some of you know the story of Job. He was, he, he was able to take a double blessing of what he was able to take before because God had made him deeper. Right? It wasn't just, oh, well, I'll give him double now. No, God established a work in his life 
See, the level of blessing you have is dependent upon the depth that God's been able to work in your life. And Job embraced his growth, and then he grew. He embraced his growth. I wonder if the musicians would come up here and, and join me on the platform, and, and uh, we're going to close the service in just a moment or two. Um, but I want you to think for a moment, just as we come to a close, about Jesus. I mean, Jesus had patience with people. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they do. We saw Pharisees come to Christ in the book of Acts who would have been there crucifying him at the end of the Gospels. He had patience with people for change. He had patience with people. He had patience with God. He said, not my will but thine be done. He had, he had patience in suffering and real grief. He endured the cross, Hebrews 6. That's patience in grief. This, this is what we need. And ultimately, of course, he established something. He achieved something through his patience. In a sense, um, our salvation was accomplished because he was patient, because he endured to the end. Salvation was made available for you. <laughs> he humbled himself and God raised him up. So I want to encourage you today to take the model that um, James points to that he found in the life of his brother Jesus. I want to encourage you today to do what James uh, does and says, hey, listen, use Job as your model. Express your disappointments to God in prayer. If you're not happy about it, tell God. Then say, well, God, I'm not you. I don't know. I know I'm not happy, but I don't know what you're going to do. Close the borders on, on, on Brisbane because I'm flying my daughter to Melbourne. I don't know what you're going to do. <laughs> I don't know what you're going to do. I'm not God, you're God, and I'm vocal for growth. I know that we're going to come out the other side of this pandemic. We're going to come out the other side of this thing stronger, more deep, more greater than we've ever been before. We're going to be tried. We're going to come out the other side as pure as gold in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Why don't we stand together, church? Let's just uh, close our eyes. And uh, I'm going to get these guys to sing this song in just a minute, right? But just, I'm, I'm going to pray first. And this is what I want us to do in this room. If you're carrying an angst, if you're carrying a weight, there's, there, there is an issue. I want you to, I'm going to pray. I want you to express it to God. I don't want you to hide it from Him. I don't want you to try to, to, to rationalize it away, say it doesn't matter. If you're angry, if you're upset, I want you to bring it to God. If, if you've been hurt by Him or by her or by them or what, I want you to bring it to God now and say, God, I'm not happy about it. I want you to express it to Him now in prayer in Jesus' name. Father, as I come before you now, Lord, uh, you see the hurt and disappointment, the angst, the frustration, Lord, in the heart of every person here. And Father God, now as we enumerate it, Lord, now as we articulate it, as we name it, Lord, as we bring it to you right now in prayer, Lord, as we let you know that, Father, this is, being, this is annoying, this is upsetting, this is hurtful. Lord, we bring it to you now in prayer, Father God. We, we lay it at your feet, Father God, right now in Jesus' name. Now, Lord, we acknowledge that we don't know why. We don't see the end. But you do. So, Father God, we humbly come and declare that whilst we'd like to think we know, we actually don't. And today, Lord, not just for my sake, but for the sake of my family and for the sake of my neighbors and for the sake of my workplace and for the sake of my friends, I choose growth because I want to be a greater measure of your blessing in this community than I have ever been before. 
because of what you're doing in me right now. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Can we just cement that as we sing? Let's worship the Lord as we come to an end. Why don't we stay in this attitude? With your hands raised. Surrender to